Welcome back to the Health on 10 podcast. Today's episode is with Angie Stastny and myself, Alex Krenitz. This episode, I think, is going to hit home with a lot of people. We're going to be talking all about stress, in particular cortisol, which is the stress hormone, and why people become almost addicted to it. We like to call these cortisol junkies. So what the stress hormone does is it creates this fight or flight response in the body. And what happens during this process is we get an increased surge of energy and focus. And a lot of people become addicted to this. And now there's a lot of, there's a lot of problems to uh, the release of cortisol in the body. And we'll talk about that later on. But I think a lot of people become addicted to this because they, they really like that feeling of that increased energy and focus, but it's very finite. It only has, lasts a little bit of time, and then there's some detriment to that. So who are these people that, that are cortisol junkies? Well, they tend to put themselves in high-stress situations, whether it's being late to work or putting themselves in a stressful position in relationships. It's almost a self-sabotage mechanism, I like to call it. And it, it causes, it can cause obviously a lot of problems externally, but internally as well. So what I think about it is like, say you're, you're getting ready for work and you do this subconsciously, you know, you're going to be late and you, you go anyways, you do it anyways. And it, it, you get this, this surge of this hormone cortisol where you start to feel energized, focus, and that, that feeling of, of anxiousness almost where and then when you come down from this anxiousness, you get this, like, I notice this, this super relaxed state. You're like, oh, it's over. And we continue to put the, ourselves in this cycle. And I, when we started looking at this, Angie, I was like, that's me for sure. Yeah. So I, I feel like I, I don't want to say I'm a cortisol junkie, but I, I know that my cortisol runs high. Um, and so I'm going to make a little... It, uh, confession right now. Um, I kind of think I have ADD. So I started looking at this topic from that standpoint. And turns out that people with attention deficit syndrome, they um, tend to have higher cortisol levels. Mm -hmm. they, don't, they don't handle stress as well. And their perception of what's happening can be exaggerated. So I may look at a situation and feel like it's just insurmountable. And so I've kind of noticed this, but it's almost very freeing to know it mm -mm. because it's like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to tackle this yeah. and it's going to help me, you know, with my performance. And whereas with, um, hyperactive, that's different. They have a lower cortisol level. So those are two examples of where the person with the lower cortisol level is looking to get that, that increase because their body isn't doing it. Okay. Those people tend to stay up late at night and they, they can't sleep well. And, you know, so you'll also see this type of um, pattern with people that have um, post-traumatic stress disorder, yeah. um, people that have sleep apnea, and, and the, the night workers. So they'll have the lower cortisol. So people with, say, ADHD versus ADD, ADHD, you'd start to crave some of that. You, you need would be it. The, You're be looking to correct it in your body. So I hope by saying that, people can realize if they do have that and they're frustrated, yeah. that there's actually imbalances going on in their body. And we're always trying to get back to homeostasis. Right. Essentially, You're, that's what 
that's what the cortisol is. It's, it's trying to get your body back to that homeostasis. And if you want to explain homeostasis. Yeah. So your, your body is in a constant flux, but it's, I think of it like a rubber band and you know, it, it can stretch and bend and all the systems in our body can stretch and bend to give us what we need at the moment. But then eventually if we stretch them too much, the rubber, rubber band is going to pop and it's going to break and the, the elasticity is gone. So when you see that happen, you see things like type 2 diabetes. Chronic disease. You see chronic disease. And you've stretched it too far, too many times, and now it can't, it can't come back. So homeostasis is your body always trying to stay. Like, for instance, our blood stays in a very finite numbers in the chemistry. You know, yeah, it, the pH it's, level. it's all right. everything, you right, know, it's yeah. all your electrolytes. It's always going to try to keep that in a tight range yeah. so that, you know, you can perform because you can only access what's in your blood, right? Like that's how you can access different things. So, um, you know, so it's really important to have that homeostasis. Um, but like you were saying, we get into the cycle to where our body starts to memorize those chemicals that we release. And then you just, it wants more of it. You get addicted to this. And so you, you literally reprogram your body to constantly want to, you know, let go of this cortisol and boost it in the bloodstream. And so you, it's, yeah, like I was saying, it's like this self-sabotage. We do this without knowing. You, you don't understand it. And that's the only reason you're doing it. No one would intentionally try to sabotage themselves. Right. You know, but it's like, maybe you learned it from an early age. You know, and, and, it, and really, honestly, cortisol can even affect your mood. It makes you more aggressive, right? And it can make you more angry. Yeah. Because if you're running from a bear or you're getting ready to fight a bear, you've got to be aggressive to do that. Oh, for sure. Yeah. You're, you're laser focused. You're like, you're, you're on it. Yeah. But again, that's very finite. Yeah. So how long do you think it can last for you? Like when you have an episode, like how long can you go on that cortisol high? And, and I, I, we, I think we should say cortisol isn't bad. We actually need it to yes. live. Stress yeah. is good. It, it causes adaptation. It causes growth. And that's a great thing. It's just trying to get it in too high of doses all the time. And if you're somebody like myself who's like kind of their whole life has put themselves in situations where it's like you're releasing, you're releasing all this cortisol. It's like your cortisol junkie per se that can have a profound effect on, you know, later on in life, chronic disease. And we talked about this earlier, Alzheimer's, what happens during, obviously we're, we're trying to get our body back to homeostasis. Yeah. How do we do that? And what is the breakdown in the body because of that release of cortisol? Well, one of them is being, one of them is it, uh, it breaks down calcium in bone. Yeah. And another one was, you were telling me was, uh, mobilizes fat cells. Yes. And you know, you're releasing more sugar from the liver and your body is going to only tap into sugar or glucose at that point. Cause it needs immediate fuel. It takes a little more effort to use fat or protein as we're trying a fuel to survive source. at this point. You're trying in to that survive. Flight, yeah. So like I was telling you, um, it turns off your immune system. You know, it, it, it turns off digestion. Yes. So a lot, anyone with digestive problems probably has 
a, a problem with stress. Mm -hmm. And you can't separate those two. Yeah. And if, you, if you're not digesting things properly, obviously, you, then you have malnutrition. Not, your food is not being absorbed. So like you were saying, the long-term effects are so vast. And when you were talking about Alzheimer's, so our brain can use fat or um, glucose. glucose. But if you're always stressed, it's going to be using glucose. And there's insulin resistance that can, that can develop in the brain. And, and so that's why they refer to Alzheimer's as type 3 diabetes. So, you know, think about it. If you, you, this is not where you want to go. We don't want to end up, you know, with Alzheimer's. I think that's one of the worst things you could get. Like that's nobody. Yeah, that's like horrible. So, right. uh, but other things, it pulls more sodium and water into the, the vascular system. So you're going to retain more water and that raises your blood pressure. And that's the role of aldosterone when it's released from the adrenals also. And that go, you know, sudden signals to your kidneys to not, you know, to not urinate basically, you know, to hold on to more fluid. Right. And well, another, and obviously, like I said, it breaks down, it pulls calcium from bone. Yeah. If you're pulling calcium out of the body, if you're someone who's interested in building muscle and who works out a lot, calcium, the calcium potassium pump is so important for building muscle and just exercise in general. So that's gonna have a sh that's gonna have one a short term effect really. Mm -hmm. So we have Alzheimer's, which that's a long term effect, and for some people they can't foresight and see that the muscle contraction that is a short term, and then there's weight loss, which as we talked about, uh, a lot of increased glucose in the body, which leads to more fat stores. Weight loss is it's a pretty mid side effect. You could see that, you know, up to six months if you're having chronic stress. And I'm sure as a dietitian, you see stress as a huge issue in people and their weight loss journey, yeah? Totally. I mean, that is one, I, and I think I told you this before, stress is just as important as nutrition. And so I focus on that equally. And sometimes it's the first step is just, you know, in getting that under control because without that, you can't sleep and then you can't digest. So it all goes together. You can't separate it. Yeah. And it's fascinating for me who's, who, you know, I, I love nutrition and weight loss and all that stuff. And for years, it's always the, the law of thermodynamics, calories in calories out, because this is what you're taught in a textbook. And yes. this is what you're taught in school. It's like what all, the only thing that matters is calorie consumption, which it's a huge factor. Like, don't get me wrong. But when we look at other mechanisms in the body like cortisol release and stress that's so it's it's huge as well if not just as big right i'm going to tell you a little story right now please so when i started out my career i worked on a floor that was kind of like a long-term intensive care floor everyone was on a tube feeding okay and they were all bed bound they had no stress a lot of them were not even conscious so I could calculate to the T. I could fix anything. I could correct their protein levels. I could heal wounds, all with a calculation. You know why that was? I knew every factor, and there weren't that many, right? Like, they didn't have any outside external influences. Hmm. 
you, you could completely control what they got. That's calorie in, calorie out. Yeah. It works 100% of the time, okay, because you're controlling every aspect of it. Now you step into real life. It doesn't work. And now, it, especially in the last 15 years, it does not work. It might work for like a small percentage of the population. Yeah. But most people that I work with, they, it's, it's incredible how many different influences we have since, you know, the invention of cell phones and social media and, you know, more access to the news and whatever else, and even your relationships, right? Like back in the day, your friends, you saw them at school and then you went home and you couldn't even talk to them because you didn't have a cell phone. Mm-hmm. Now that even kids, they just have so much stress in their life. Well, so much stimulation. Yeah. So that overly stimulation, sti- yeah, yeah. It's, it's leading to, to things like stress. All right, Angie. So for people out there listening to this, probably like, oh, great information. But how do they know if they have high or low cortisol levels? Um, so if you have blood work, you can look at your fasting blood sugar. You can look at your A1C, which is your long-term measurement of your blood sugar over three-month period. And sometimes you'll see that that's elevated above what it should be. To me, anyone who's over 80, you know, they, they may be having too much stress in their body for a fasting blood sugar, that is. Um, and I see that a lot. And, and, uh, people are really having struggles with blood sugar. And I know that goes beyond just stress, but that it's a sign of stress. Um, the other thing is when you have too much cortisol, your level is going to be like 60% higher than it should be. So cortisol should spike pretty much within the first hour after you wake up. That's fascinating that you say that because I've always, I've always heard that you should not have a cup of coffee first thing in the morning. Because of the cortisol levels, cortisol is waking you up. You, like we talked about earlier, it's, it's providing that energy and that focus. When you first wake up, unless you're taking like some sort of sleeping pill or you, know, you had a really, really bad night's sleep, you have sleep apnea, you, you should feel pretty energized right away. And the, the last thing you should do is go right for a cup of coffee. And now I'm being hypocritical because waking up at 4.30 in the morning, I like to have my cup of coffee. But ride that wave, ride that cortisol wave for another hour, hour and a half. And I don't, how long does that cortisol wave usually last? It should start to decrease after an hour. Then have your coffee. And then I guess have your coffee. I'll try it. What do you think about that? I grab my coffee immediately. I know. I, <laughs> as soon as I drink water, I drink like at least two big glasses of water and then I start drinking coffee. You're like, this is, yeah, it's so hard because like we wake up so early and we're, we're trying to be productive and it's like, okay, let's get to get that caffeine in us. But maybe we should challenge ourselves and just try it for a week okay. and see what happens. All right, let's do it. We'll, we'll if, come back to you guys. See if we and can we'll... get better control over our car- cortisol days. levels. First couple of days is going to suck, but... <laughs> yeah, we'll be kind of cranky. So as long as no one's around us, it'll be okay. Um, other things that you could look at is if all of a sudden you have a spike in your blood pressure, check it out. You know, See if, if your blood pressure is going up. Um, some people, they actually swell up. You know, they have swelling in their hands or in their legs. Um, so those are kind of could lead to a lot of things, but you do see that sometimes. Um, if you have a blunted cortisol, that is usually, like I said, more 
post-traumatic stress long-term, you've burned out your, your adrenals and now you aren't secreting enough cortisol. And so those people, they're going to have a harder time going to bed at night. They're going to still be trying to wind down late into the night. And they're also going to be waking up way too early. Hmm. So their, their, their sleep is disrupted more. Um, so that, that's, it's kind of hard to define it, like I said, but, um, also another thing you'll see is if you have high cortisol, you'll have things like cravings yes, for sweets yes. and, and fatty foods. That is, that's definitely, and I notice this when I get lack of sleep. So there's definitely something going on in the brain, in the body. When you have lack of sleep, there's an increased cortisol, obviously, because your body is like, you need sleep. And then I start to crave like fast food, which I never crave. I start to crave things like sweets. And that's going to be a direct response from high cortisol levels, telling your body, we need more, we need more energy. We need more food for survival when really you don't, it's just the hormone cortisol signaling to your body. Yeah. And, and you know, if some people with chronic fatigue, they have lower cortisol levels and they'll more want to eat all day. Okay. And they'll want to eat those carbs. Whereas the high cortisol people that I see, they want to eat at night. They get home and they're like wanting to drink alcohol and like eat chips. And, you know, they can't, they've, it's been building and building all day. And then they just, you know, want to try to somehow manage it. So how are we going to manage it? Yeah. How? This is one thing that actionable steps like that, you know, when I'm working with someone like, okay, you're struggling in this area and we've identified that. Now, what do you, how, how are we going to get, whether it's low or high, how can we get it into a better balance? Yeah. And these things that we talk about, you're, you, it's, you can't just take a pill. You can't no. just, you, this, these are actions you have to take. You have to address that you have an issue with stress and you have to do something about it. It won't resolve itself. One, I think, and I've talked about this before, it's, it's very obvious and it's a difficult thing to do because we don't do it and it takes skill. Meditation is going to be super important, whether you want to do some sort of Western meditation, which would be more like prayer or like an Eastern meditation, which is kind of like you're in one ear out the other or kind of like looking at a blank wall, trying not to think about anything. Focusing on your breathing is obviously super important. Yes. I, I think deep breathing is really a good one because you can do it anywhere and you can even do it while you're working. Like you don't have to stop. Yeah. And you can, you know, do it throughout the day. It's interesting with breathing is we, we're always doing it involuntary, but we don't do it right. No. Almost ever. And they don't teach you how to breathe. We teach us how to exercise. We teach, you know. We know how to do it as children, right? Like they show belly breaths with babies. It's stomach breathing, right? Right. That's they the... know. We do know how to breathe. But if you get into that high stress situation, you're going to be holding your breath. And, I, I and you're going to notice short yourself breaths. holding your breath. Mm-hmm. And I, I see that in myself all the time. Yeah. And I'm like, and even I, I'm taking yoga instruction right now. And she'll be like, Angie, breathe. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm not even breathing. Do you think it's because you're thinking so much too when you're doing the yoga? It's like, that's hard to kind of do two things at once because you're trying to learn a new skill as yeah. well. But I think you just get used to that. You know, you can just get into a habit of not. And, and that has been directly related to mortality. Just 
breathing because you're just not getting enough oxygen in your body. So that's pretty cool, right? Like just one simple little thing you can do that can really um, extend your life. Yeah, more oxygen to the brain. Exactly. Better cognitive function. Yeah. Exercise. This goes, this can go one of two ways. And I want you to, to be aware if you are somebody with high stress, exercise is good. Exercise is good for everybody. But I'm going to supplement it differently based on if you're somebody with low stress or high stress or right in the middle. Now, if you're somebody with high stress, and I see this a lot in people I train that are business owners or just people that they're working hard nine to five jobs and they don't manage stress properly is you don't, the last thing you want to do is high intensity exercise because exercise, any exercise releases cortisol. It's, it's a stress response on the body. We need it to adapt. We need it to build muscle. However, high intensity exercise is going to lead to high levels of cortisol. So you put somebody in a high stress job, a high stress situation in their life who already has high cortisol and you add more cortisol, that is a recipe for disaster and they're not going to be able to recover properly because of obviously we're breaking down calcium, we're storing more fat cells and this is just going to lead to a plethora of problems. So if you're somebody in that situation, work on some things as far as meditation. We'll go over a few more soon, but don't do those high intensity exercise, high intensity intervals, even though you want to, because those are the people that want to do it, right? They're the go getters or the ones that are like balls to the wall all the time. And they just want to keep going balls to the wall in every aspect, including the gym. This is the worst thing you can do. So what I would say is take a step back, work it Focus on some mobility, take rests in between sets. You don't need to tax the central nervous system too much, meaning you don't need to go three to six reps, super heavy weight, stick between eight to 12 reps, take rest in between. Now, if you're somebody with low stress, moderate stress, that goes, that goes the other way. I'm not too worried about your intensity. Uh, just make sure you're not doing too much of it, meaning like three to four days a week, high intensity at most, because we do want to recover and high intensity, like I said, leads to high cortisol, harder to recover for doing it all the time. So exercise is a great one, but be aware of your situation. And if you need to dial it back a little bit until you can get your stress under control. Um, I'm a living example of that because I love intensity. And I think that's probably because my cortisol is high. And so I get one on this you know, really intense workout spree and I was gaining weight and I was like telling my doctor, I'm like, I'm, you know, and it wasn't like muscle weight and I switched it up and I started doing yoga, but like, you know, just a little faster pace yoga and toned that down, started walking and light weights, like you said, and everything balanced out. But I actually, it seemed like it slowed down my metabolism even more. Yeah. And I, You'll see that too is people are at a standstill for weight loss. Yeah. Because of the high cortisol. Because they're, and they're like, I'm pushing myself so hard. I'm working so hard in the gym, but you're not losing weight. Yeah. Dial it back. Let your body recover, lower that stress hormone. And it's amazing. You see the weight just melt off. And you can tell when it's fat versus muscle. Right. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Well, fat versus muscle. I mean, you're going to see it in aesthetics. You're going to see it in the mirror. 
Okay, so as far as diet goes, because we know how important a nutrient-rich diet is for all aspects of life, what's going to be the best diet for somebody with high cortisol levels? Uh, for me, you know, I, I use a strategy where it, it is a higher protein and a higher fat. It doesn't have to be extreme. People go to extremes, and they do either, like, low-carb or they do keto, and those are very extreme. And I don't think in our last or one of our first podcasts, we talked about the gut microbiome. And I just think when you go to those extremes, you're making a lot of changes there. And, and so that can be detrimental also. Especially when so, you try to go back to eating so, certain things like that. Yeah. So I, I refer to it as metabolic switching. And you're just moving away from a dependency on carbohydrates. And you want to have your body dive in and use fat as a, as a fuel source and spare the protein, right. For all the other building blocks that you need. And it works really well. People can lose weight. They build muscle. I've seen people really build muscle without actually adding a lot of exercise. And I know that sounds crazy, but it really can happen. Um, exercise is always good, but like you were saying in moderation and with somebody who knows what they're doing, don't try to Google your way through it or YouTube your way through it. Um, but if you combine those two things and you have a trainer and you do the diet, I think you can really get your body back into a good, um, metabolic balance. All right. And then you don't really have to stay at that uh, ratio, you can actually go more towards, you know, you can bump up your carbs over time once your body understands and you can kind of retrain your body and your metabolism. Yeah. It's a good starting point for somebody who's high stress. Yeah. It's kind of Some starting people, to eliminate. Yep. Well, and, and, you know, the carbs are bad, but we also see what are, where are we getting our carbs from? Mostly in the, in the Western diet and the sad diet, standard American diet, we're getting it from highly processed foods. Right. So it's not like these people are getting it from sweet potatoes and quinoa and like, you know, right. vegetables and things like that. They're, they're eating highly processed, highly palatable, hyper palatable foods, which probably going to cause a problem, you know, and with stress as well. I've so. seen that a lot with the pandemic where people are, they're like, I don't know why I'm doing it, but I'm just going through the drive through and I feel like I can't control myself. So it's exactly what you were saying. And to some extent you, you have to let yourself off the hook and just know that you've gotten into uh, chemistry in your body that you need to break free. So with these strategies that we have that we've kind of mentioned, the third one I would say is develop a bedtime routine. If you can't go to bed and you're wound up, start start at 7 o'clock if you can. I mean, maybe your schedule doesn't allow that. But give yourself three hours before bedtime to add some steps. Do some yoga. Do some stretches. You, like you were saying, meditate. Do whatever you have to do. Maybe it's uh, diffusing essential oils. Maybe you take a bath or whatever. Um, but something relaxing that signals to your body that, hey, bedtime is coming. And your body, we're kind of like Pavlov's dogs. We can train our body to respond to these repeated signals. Yeah, we start to produce melatonin. Yes. Things like that, which is uh, the bedtime. That is a key one. And, and I'll tell you this. 
my schedule for years was always, you know, week weekdays, go to bed at a good time. Weekends comes around party time. You know, you're young. Let's, let's stay up till three, four in the morning. And it just totally imbalances and, and destroys your sleep schedule and then stress as well. Now that I don't do any of that, it's to bed 10 o'clock at the latest I'm sleeping. I'm in bed by like 830, you know, and 10 o'clock I'm asleep. It has helped tenfold as far as like stress and just keeping everything on a schedule. Now, if you don't have that luxury of being able to do that, well, it's, it's finding, I guess it's finding those other things that you can, but also get making sure if you don't have the luxury to, to do that and get to bed at 10 o'clock, or if you have days that you're going to have to be up till two in the morning for work, it's making sure you can still get that six to eight hours, preferably seven to eight hours of sleep, just so we don't have that increased spike in cortisol the next day. Yeah. People with young children, I think that's super tough. For sure. Because their sleep option. is so disrupted. But yeah. I guess you just have to look at it like this is temporary. And maybe there's some other things you can do to, to in other that. areas, you know, yeah. like support yourself in other areas right. because you know that's not going to be perfect. Just because one thing is off doesn't mean, you know, you have to go off the rails. Right. Because so then you will, right? Like you just said it. Go. Like you just start doing all these other th sabotaging yeah. type things, which is kind of where we started yeah. on the whole sabotage. And so hopefully everybody understands that these choices that we make are kind of driven by dysfunction in different areas. But if we put a little actionable step for each one, uh, you know, these some actionable steps, yeah. then, you know, I think you can really get a good balance pretty quickly. Absolutely. And what I've noticed, because I've been on both ends of the spectrum, I like to think I'm on this, the good end of the spectrum at this point right now in my life is you crave that good feeling. You don't, you stop to, you stop craving that self-sabotage where you want that stress, that high stress, and you start to really enjoy that relaxation and self uh, mindfulness and meditative state. Really, I, you know, that's, that's something you're going to start to enjoy instead of being strung out all the time. I agree because when I first started doing yoga, I couldn't, I, I was such a struggle because it was so slow. Mm -hmm. And that was just a sign that I, I wasn't able to slow down. And so little things like that, pay attention to it in your life. Like, you know, am I able to slow down at all or am I just really wound up all the time? Yeah. And you're, again, you're not going to be perfect. There's going to be times where you, you start to deviate back, but it's, it's okay because we're human. It's just... Uh, knowing that what you're doing, like being aware of like, okay, I'm take, I'm going a little bit too fast, whether that's it with work, whether that's with a relationship, whether that's on the road driving or whatever it may be, slow it down, relax. Cause when you're going quick, you're antsy and you, you feel your breathing is not on point and you're, you are, that's, that's cortisol right there. So just be aware of when you're in those type of situations and relax, just try to take a step back, be in the moment. Yes. Things like that. And get help if you need it. Like if you're in a bad relationship or you have a stressful uh, work environment that you can't get away from, you know, go to counseling and learn how to manage that. And maybe you can learn to look at it differently because we're going to have situations in our life that are going to be tough. Yeah. And sometimes you need help and sometimes you can't handle it on your own. Yeah. And you just need someone else who's looking from the outside 
And honestly, that can be a counselor, that can be me, that can be a trainer. Um, there's so many different professionals that can really support you. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Well, thank you guys for listening to another episode of Health on 10. Angie, always a pleasure. We're going to be back next week. You want to throw out some ideas here on the show before we go? Oh, gosh. This, put you on the spot? Oh. Uh, we'll figure it out. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> we, always have, we always have something cooking up for you guys. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed it and we're able to take this podcast and apply it to your everyday life. Keep your health on 10. Perfect.